Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message. I will give you all my worship. And I will give you all my praise. And you alone, I long to worship. And you alone are worthy of my praise. And I will give you all my worship. And I will give you all my praise. And you alone I long to worship. And you alone are worthy of my praise. Wow. Man. You know, worship isn't designed to soften the heart for the word. It's designed to open it to shape the heart for the word. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> So I'm going to probably be just as shocked as you as what comes out of my mouth. So, But um, I want, there, there's some stuff that I've heard lately and read on Facebook, and, and I, I just want to address this because I think when we have a wrong perspective of ourselves, it dictates our movements. You can't move in the fullness of of Christ and have the wrong perspective. You're going to move according to what you think. How many in here at some point in time, and even recently, have felt like a failure? You felt like you failed God. You might as well all raise our hands. Come on. Let's be honest. There we go. All right. We're family. So here's the thing. Whether or not you fail or succeed depends upon whether or not it's necessary. I'm going to free you right now. You are not necessary to Christ. You're a desire. There's a difference. Mm. Let that sink in. He wants you. He doesn't need you. He's already succeeded. He's already conquered in heaven. Mm. So now how many feel like a failure? Did we disappoint? Did we make mistakes? Sure. But we never fail God because he desires us. He doesn't need us. So I was asked to give a teaching on honor, and, uh, you know, Pastor George said several times, I normally don't tell people what I want them to teach on or how they want to teach it, but this is what I want you to do. (laughs) So, So I was like, honestly, it's extremely honor when someone sees something in you and wants you to impart it. That's huge honor. It's really huge honor. We have to stop competing with one another. 
We really do. In John 17, it says we're all one. And if we're all one, that means I'm one of the best worship pastors up there when Christine is leading because her and I are one. And everything she's doing in the heavenlies, I'm doing in the heavenlies. Everything that Joey's doing on the drums, I'm doing on the drums. Everything that Stephen's doing on the guitar, I'm doing on the guitar. And I don't see you, bro, but, man, you're, you're really getting good. You're really getting good on that guitar, man. That's, worship was ridiculous this morning. I mean, so if we're all one and we're all doing the same thing, then there's no competition, I don't have to be better than her because I'm one with her. Okay. Went better. <laughs> so I'm going to hit a disclaimer in all the relationships that I talk about. I'm going to tell you we are extremely solid. I've I've been given a unique opportunity that every relationship that started rough or that got rough in the middle or or the enemy tried to sever, is now joined and stronger than ever. And I believe it's because that we adopt this perspective to honor no matter what. See, we're living in a society today that says only honor those who, number one, understand the meaning of the word and honor you back. But that's not what the word of God says. In Romans 13, 1 through 5, <clears throat> it says, Everyone submit to a governing authorities. For all authority comes from God, and those in position of authority have been placed there by God. I'm going to continue to read this. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished for the authorities do not strike fear in the people who are doing right but those who are doing wrong mm. would you like to live without fear of authorities do what is right and they will honor you so authority is put in place to honor what is right and it's put in place by God all authority See, I'm a journeyman pipe fitter, and we all make the same until we get on a job where one's place lead. And even though we make the same amount of money, he's been given authority over us, and we need to obey what he says. Because when it comes down to it, if the job doesn't come in, it's his fault. And if we don't honor him as an authority, then we all come under. We all lose money. And the company doesn't benefit. So if you're the stock boy at the Piggly Wiggly, and there's two of you, and one is, is there because he's been there the longest, 
He has authority over you. Even though you make the same, you still honor him. It doesn't matter if he's abusive. Well, how do you honor an abusive authority? How do you honor authority who doesn't even know the meaning of the word, but they expect it? You honor the position. You honor the position, and no matter what, the person gets honored. That's an amazing thought, isn't it? Imagine if America honored the position of president. Mm. I am really, really disgusted with the way we have treated our president. I can remember not too long ago when Bush Jr. was president. And you can all disagree with me, but I thought he was terrible, to be honest with you. But man, was he honored. And when a group by the name of Dixie Chicks went over into Europe and dishonored him, all America got together and shut them down. And they are a band no more. And how many Americans have not only disrespected our president, but done it on our own soil? When are the leaders in the body of Christ that supported Obama because he was an authority appointed by God going to support Trump because he's an authority appointed by God? Do you have to agree with them? No. I, I'm praying that he gets a PR person that tells him to shut up. I really am. Don't tweet that. Stop it. That's not nice. <laughs> you know? Or he listens to his PR people. I mean, I don't know which one is happening. I want to give you a backdrop of, because... Uh, when Pastor George and I talk, we talk for hours at a time, and our meetings uh, usually go four to five hours. That's why we've had maybe three of them in the last couple of years, <laughs> last year and a half. And um, the last church I served, um, I served there over eight years. Um, I was on the worship team for the first year because I came out of an extremely tough season where I was the worship leader and the authority in place spiritually murdered me. Well, you say, what, what does that look like? Well, when someone calls you evil, says there's nothing good that can come from you, has your roommates force you out of your apartment, force you out of the city and force you out of the church, I say you're pretty much murdered. And that's what happened to me. And I had to learn how to forgive that authority and honor him because he was an authority. Oh, that's tough. I wanted to kick him in the teeth. He even rose up against me, balled his fist. I scooted back, stood up, and he, he stepped down. 
That was the grace of God. Because had we went to blows, I would have been in the wrong. Why? Because he's an authority. Doesn't matter how abusive he was. Doesn't matter how contradictive he was to the truth of Christ, to the love of Christ. He's still an authority set in place. It was hard. A couple months after that, a, a former roommate who actually gave him the information that got me kicked out uh, called me up out of the blue and asked if we were okay. He said, I need you to forgive me. And I was like, oh, yes, of course, man. We're brothers. We'll always be brothers. And I hung up the phone, and I was so so charged. And I said, so when are you going to have Pastor so-and-so call me up and get this right? Well, when are you going to forgive him? He didn't ask, so what? This ain't you. I'm not going to do it. For three weeks, he woke me up every morning, like a loud voice, like I'm talking to you now in the microphone. When are you going to forgive him? Finally, I had enough after three weeks. I'm stubborn. Stubborn. Three weeks, I've had enough. So I woke up and I said, fine, I'll forgive him, but I don't want to talk to him. I want to talk to the answering service. And we're done. I'll tell him over the answering service that I forgive him and, and we're, we're done. So I called him up, went straight to the voicemail. And I said, hey, man, you kind of asked for forgiveness and I didn't. Doesn't matter why but I want you to know you're forgiven now. Something broke over me. See, there's a power in forgiveness that only comes when we honor those around us. And I've got news for you guys. That song, You Are My Champion, speaks it all. We all have authority. So if we all have authority, we have to honor each other. Even if, and, and here's the thing. I hear this all the time. I even, PK spoke on it. You don't have to like them. Just love them. That's really not true. Because if you read what love is, you're not going to speak over someone that you don't like. You're not going to put them above you if you don't like them. It's impossible to love someone and not like them because you're not going to want them to succeed above yourself. It just, it's just fact. We just have to face the fact that if I do love you, I like you too. Because if I love Harvest, I'm going to want to hang around him. We're going to want to get food together. 
if I don't like harvest, we're not going to hang around. We're not going to get food together, which would be a travesty. <laughs> I know you guys had to limit those pictures of harvest eating when you were at the cruise because that's what he does. All about a man's portion. Uh, I love that, dude. We, we have the same heart. Same heart. <laughs> He always tells me, hey, have you heard about this place? I'm like, oh, all right, let's do it. But um, so that's, that's really the facts, guys. So here I am. I was a worship, lead, worship leader in the last season, and I'm just leading. I'm just on the worship team because and I want to tell you this story. Because it's really what put me on a journey to not only discover who I was, but actually to learn how to honor. Because I actually, for the first time in my life, saw what a father's heart does. Saw the true heart of the father. And you have to understand, when we really catch this, we're going to lead people to Christ like crazy because how we do it now is we try to make them aware of what they're lacking. And Jesus never did that. He never made them aware of their shortcomings. He just made them aware of the possibility of how much better they'll be with him. It's a different way of looking at it. Have we all sinned? Sure. But Jesus never made them aware of that. He just made them aware of the forgiveness that lied on the other side. The fullness of who he is on the other side. So, here I am. Just doing my thing and... um, I went off to uh, a place called Fire Creek, North Carolina. It's up in the mountains. And I was with my pastor. And and, uh, by the way, uh, my former pastor um, is still my spiritual dad. Uh, When I walked into his church broken, he spoke a father's blessing on me. And he said key words that just broke everything, no matter what, I'm proud of you. See, when we learn to honor, it steps us into position to see what God sees. You think David could have really saw that Saul, King Saul, was God's anointed had he not been honoring? Because he was moving far from it. He was trying to kill David, and his men caught up in the action. It's in 1 Samuel. Caught up in the action. They said, hey, today God's going to give us this victory. We're going to take down this bad king, this tyrant. The kingdom's yours. And he just cut off a a part of his clothing, and then it doesn't say he felt bad. 
said he was wrecked. His spirit was disturbed because he knew he touched something he shouldn't have. How crazy is that? We're talking about the most abusive authority you could ever think of, a king in place trying to kill you individually. Not kill your people, not hurt your people, kill you. Wipe you off the face of the earth. And he was struck because he knew he had dishonored who God saw his men. It's crazy. See, we have to understand when we're given gifts, they don't go away. In spite of our character or lack thereof, they're still going to operate. So whether you like it or not, it will still make someone anointed. Whether or not they display a godly character or not, they're still moving in God's anointed. They're still God's anointed because they're gifted. It took me a long time to learn how to honor that. Because as a body, we've really destroyed what the prophetic is supposed to look like. We really have. We were put in a position to display God's love. And instead, we displayed his judgment. And he didn't send his son to judge. It's quiet. I'll talk over here. Just a second. So, here I am. These uh, worship pastors, they come in and, and, uh, yep, okay, I'm at Fire Creek. And uh, a spiritual uncle, he speaks a word to me. And he said, there's going to be people that come in. And um, what they do is going to be really, can be really hurtful. But God's trying to teach you something through this. Don't go back in your memory to what you just came out of. Okay. Someone gives you a word like that. You're not thinking that a year later and it comes to fruition. Oh, that was it. But these pastors come in with great intentions. And um, I don't know how you guys are, but how I am is this. It's extremely hard to, like, where I work now, all my bosses have been in the trade 10-plus years. They're, They're all journeymen, pipe fitters at one point in time. They know what they're doing. But it's really hard to have a boss who's never physically done what you've done and really doesn't know what you're doing but they're in a position over you. That's really, really hard. So when you have pastors that are over your position and have never carried worship, nor do they play instruments, nor do they sing, it's really hard. 
especially when they tell you to sing certain songs and do certain things, and you're like, what the heck? And conduct practice a certain way in the whole nine yards, and you got to honor them because they're your pastors, and it's hard, really, really hard. So here I am doing my best to honor them, and, and uh, they love Bethel Ministries, and they love Morningstar and um, the Helsers, and they watch a lot of their, their teachings and all that, and they're like, hey, we got a great idea. Let's, uh, the Helsers, they sit in a circle before they practice or minister or whatever, and everybody just loves on each other and just speaks their heart. They call it the round table. Let's do it. I was like, well, man, that's an awesome idea. So we get the round table, and everyone on the team decided to tell me what they really thought of me and how all the shortcomings as a leader I was. And we got to do this every week. I was so excited to come to practice. It got so bad that after a couple months, I had leaders that I was actually raising up quit and said, I can't do this anymore. I can't allow an authority to be dishonored like you and let your authorities let you be dishonored. They don't have your back. I don't want to lead here. And it hurt me. It really hurt me because here I am pouring into them, and and I'm still in a relationship with some of them. Uh, But it was just, it was heartbreaking because, well, what do you do? You still got to honor and so I just suggested, hey, maybe we shouldn't do this anymore. It's not really honoring each other or me. And it's really hard each week. So you have to separate sometimes the motives from the methods. If you don't do that, and you put them in one big thing, then if the methods are off, you'll think their motives are off too. And they're not. Usually people have great motives. Their intentions are not out to get you. It took me a long time to learn that, to be honest with you. I thought everybody was after me. Everybody wanted what Kevin had. They want to suppress Kevin. Kevin's got to shine. If you have to be the center of tension, there's a problem. It really is a problem. If you have to be noticed wherever you go, there's a problem. There's a lack of honor within you. So they have another great idea, and they decide that they're tired of multiple worship leaders. We're going to go to one worship leader, and we think you're it. They pointed to me. 
Well, I didn't want it. They were they were mean when I was just a worship leader. What do you, what makes you think they're not going to be mean when I'm the worship leader? They're like, "Come on, you're the only one that will own it." That doesn't mean I should be it. Well, King David was the only one who would step into that position. Made him it. Man after God's own heart. And I honor David for his ability to honor, but I learned from his lack of. He wasn't perfect. See, when we decide to make a choice to dishonor someone and honor ourselves above someone else, it usually results of a sin or mistake. Something you have to repent for or seek forgiveness for. Because when David, if David would have honored the people and honored his leaders, he would have been with the kings and been where he's supposed to have been instead of up on top of the castle gazing at a good-looking naked girl. And then had he honored, regardless of whether or not he was one of his enemy, one of his lead soldiers, had he honored him, he wouldn't have put him in a position to take his life. See, we can learn from the lack of honor. So I'm a year in, I'm wanting to quit because I'm just disgusted with people. Don't I could honestly say not only did I not love people, I did not like them either. And that's really tough as a worship leader because you're just moving off gifting. You're just moving off anointing. You're not moving off any relationship with the Lord. You want to shut your relation down with Christ? Stop loving people. Because that's what he came to this earth to do. You want to increase your relationship with Christ? Love people. So I meet Rick Pino. He speaks life into me. He encourages me. I actually hang out with him three times that year. It was awesome. You guys don't know who Rick Pino is. He is a ridiculous worship leader. Check him out on YouTube. He's awesome. He's really awesome. Actually, one of my heroes. And so then I get two years in. And my pastor, who's my spiritual pops, he sits me down. Right motives, okay, guys? Just wrong method. And he writes this letter. 
of all these people that have grievance with me. And they're all his elders. And these are all reasons why I should not be where I'm at. I have an amazing anointing on my life, but people can't stand me. I'm a very, very straightforward person, and uh, sometimes it's hard to take. You know, I don't give you a little sugar with the medicine. I just shove it down you, knowing it's going to help. <laughs> Back then, I was really bad about that. And so when people wanted to be, you know, stroked and all that, I'd, I would slap and say, get busy. And so I'm devastated. I don't even want to lead worship anymore. I don't even want to do anything at that church. I want to leave. Matter of fact, I made the decision that that Sunday I was going to announce after service, hey, I'm out of here. Because I didn't want a chance to impart into the people. I didn't want to leave with honor. I, had, I did not care at that point in time. I just wanted to be gone. Because in my opinion, nobody was moving off Scripture. That's where the method gets off. Listen, it's okay to disagree with leadership, guys. It's okay to disagree with elders. It's okay to disagree with your pastor. But honor him enough to go to him in private. Isn't that what the Word says? Leave your gift at the altar and go to your brother. We have to, we have to make this statement that me honoring you is more important than me being justified or even vindicated. Hmm. I'm liking it. <laughs> so, <clears throat> a prophet friend of mine, he calls me up out of the blue on that day that I decided I was done. And see, and he did this right before worship practice. So if you can imagine, worship practice was really short. We said, I said, here's the lineup. Let's start out the song. Okay, see ya. I can't do this. And they knew. He actually read the letter to my worship pastors, and we were actually good at this time. And they come out with their jaws dropped. Are you okay? This letter is disgusting. And, um, you know, and I was like, honestly, I don't know. And so I, uh, I was supposed to do worship on Wednesday night. We had a mid-service. And I told him I was busy, which I wasn't. I just did not want to go. I had made up my mind. I had told the Lord, since I haven't heard your voice, I'm just going to assume that this is cool with you. And uh, last, next Sunday is going to be my last Sunday. I walked out of the house Wednesday morning saying that. 
Then a buddy from uh, down south calls me. Hey, man, I'm in town. Let's go do, let's go do dinner. I was like, all right, that's cool. We go to Four Rivers. One of my pastimes. Come on now. I stepped into an atmosphere that the Holy Spirit could work on me. All right. I know. I'm preaching. Preaching to the choir over there. But, uh, and so, and he remembered when our mid-service was Thursday, and he's like, man, I wish I was here on a Thursday. Oh, we do it on Wednesday. Oh, so you're going? No, I'm done. And I show him the letter, and he goes, I know it doesn't look like that, man, but his, his motives are love. And I was like, so you say. You're not the one getting the letter. That's easy for you to say. And so he, uh, <laughs> he, uh, he's like, man, well, let's at least go to church. I'm like, all right. So then a prophet friend of mine calls me why we're going to go find a church. And he's like, hey, man, I'm in town. I'll see you at church. I'm not going to church. We're going to a church. You can come over there. Ah, you're joking. You're funny. No, I'll see you at church. No, I'm done. You don't understand. I'm done. Man, I got a word for you. Of course you do. When I've made my mind up, now now he wants to speak. <laughs> Don't tell me you won't soften your will. He won't break it, but he'll soften it. So he's like, you got to come to church to get it, though. And I was like, why? Just tell me over the phone. No, I can't do that. I got to give it to you. At the church. Okay, so I show up 10 minutes early thinking he's going to be there already. And he shows up late, like service is almost over. And he walks in. I mean, they were, they did the altar call and he walks in. I'm like, what the beep is wrong with you? I said beep, okay? <laughs> but, uh, and he's like, it's okay, man. Just chill. I, I want to meet with everybody. That's why you come early. You don't come late and want to mingle. I want my word. I want to get out of here. And he's like, no, 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 no. Just, just chill. Just wait. So everybody is pretty much left, and I've just kind of sat there, and people are, you know, trying to shake my hand. And these are people I know have problems with me. And I have a, a, a fake meter, okay, something that I really don't like. I dislike fake people. I don't care if you think I'm a scumbag. At least tell me. Don't shake my hand and tell me you love me when you think I'm an idiot. I just can't stand that. I'd rather you just say, hey, man, you're an idiot. Thanks. I'll respect you. 
I mean, my God, I, we got to start getting real with people, don't we? I mean, that's part of the problem. Let's be real. I'd rather you be real than not tell me how you feel, because then our relationship will never grow. Because there's nothing to stand on. It's just sand. Come on. So, <clears throat> he gives me this word, and uh, he's like, you can't leave. God wants to do something in you. He wants you softer. And I was like, how soft does he want me? I'm close to liquid. <laughs> I, I really was. I mean, I was softer than pudding. I, I really was. I mean, I would... Slip through your hands. I was so soft. I mean, someone would say, hey, I don't, and I'd be like, I'm sorry. You know, I was soft. My daughter can testify. She watched Dad battle through this. She loved that church, but she came to a place to where, hey, I can't watch you deal with this anymore. I can't watch you get up each morning that you have to lead worship and cry on not wanting to go there because people are hurtful. <laughs> it's tough. It's really, really tough. Probably a lot like Christ knowing what he had to do. He sweat blood. He was in so much anxiety. But he knew he had to do it. Well, why? For us? No. Really had nothing to do with us. He had to honor the word of his father. All boys down to honor really does. So he tells me, God wants you softer. And if you leave now, it's going to take five years for him to do in you what he can do in you in one. I was like, well, at least it's only one year compared to five. I said, do I have to lead worship? He said, no. But I wouldn't do anything. And this is great advice, guys. I wouldn't do anything for six months until your emotions get out of the way. A lot of times we move out of anger, out of, of woundedness, and the whole nine yards. Our emotion, we're emotional beings. It's okay. It really is. But let the emotions calm down. Then make a decision. Don't get upset because someone up here says something you're in a disagreement with. And then you get offended, and then you make a decision. We're not going there anymore. We're done. You might have cut off an access where God wanted to access you and propel you into your destiny. I'm in this season... Because I endured the last one and I stayed. Right. 
All right. So I stayed, it actually took two years. And I developed such a love for people in general. It just wasn't even funny. It wasn't even funny. I would actually, when someone would come up and say, hey, I haven't been feeling good, here I am moving in tears. God, they got a cough. Why am I crying? <laughs> to heal them, heal them, take the cough. My daughter, she rates any movie that I went and saw, if I've cried at it, it's a good one. We're going to go see it together. <laughs> he made me like liquid. So when I came to the end of that season, I came to my pastor and I said, hey, I feel like God's moving me on. See, people were still warring with me, but the great thing is I wasn't warring back. You can't fight by yourself, at least not for very long. You'll get tired out. You can yell at a wall and you'll lose your wind because the wall's not going to yell back. So I had learned to, to love, forgive, and, and just, and people had the wrong per, perception of me. You say, well, how did, why does that matter? You know who you are, and perception matters. God himself says, because the enemy of my people have perceived me as a mean God and a bad father, I will no longer hold the son accountable to the sins of the father, nor the sins of the father accountable to the son. He killed generational sin right then and there in the Old Testament. Mm -mm. He cut it off. He made us each accountable for ourselves because the enemies of his people perceived him wrong. Puts a new perspective on things, huh? <laughs> so I went to him and I said, hey, man, I'd already put another worship leader in place. And um, I said, hey, I feel like this season is over. But I left it to this. I said, if you don't, I'll stay. And I didn't tell him I didn't want to, which I didn't. I was ready to go. I had been to RCC one time, and I was ready to come over here after one time. This really is an amazing atmosphere. I've never sat in a place with the teaching and the worship and just the people the way it is. You're going to get loved on whether you want to or not. <laughs> and there were times when I walked in here. Come on. There were times when I walked in here and I was dealing with stuff. I didn't want to be loved on, but I got loved on. 
That makes it easier. Listen, we were designed to be around each other. We're not designed to be individuals. It says we're fearfully and wonderfully made, not individually. There's a difference. If you think you're designed to be alone, you're wrong. Because it's not good for man to be alone. Mm. And I'm believing that. My match is out there, praise God. Preach it. All right. <laughs> so I've watched for almost, that church has been around 12 years. In the history of it, I've never seen them not honor someone who, who feels it's time to leave. Okay. But they've always given them a mic, let them speak over the people. He didn't do that with me. He actually made me bring my own chair up. And I sat down, and he spoke my whole testimony of the church, of how I came to that church. I didn't say a word. He said, is this spot on, Kevin? And all I got to say was, yes, sir, over the mic. And then they released me. But I am the only one in the history that was a minister there that's actually been asked back to come back and minister twice. Over the course of this year, I got to lead worship in a conference for a set, which was extremely honoring. Huge. They blessed my socks off. I wasn't expecting it. And then just a couple weeks ago, I was uh, asked to do worship on Sunday morning. Well, what's the significance of that? Everybody knows that Sunday mornings are sacred. You protect them. You don't think Pastor George protects Sunday mornings? You're lying to yourself. It's a huge honor that he asked me to preach on honor and how to preach it with my story on a Sunday morning. It's huge. Because if he didn't trust me to do it, he wouldn't ask me to. So there's trust and honor. So if we don't honor the Lord, do we trust him? Probably not. Is it hard? Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. I want to talk a little bit And I'll wrap things up, but I, I just want to talk a little bit about the dynamics of, I dealt with authorities. So now I want to deal with, as an authority, through the perspective of family 
and uh, just relationships in general because I think it's really important as parents, we are authorities in our kids' lives. And far too often we only read the one scripture, the, the first part of the scripture that says, children, obey your parents, honor your parents and the Lord. But we don't read the second part. <laughs> we don't read the part that says, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. See, there's an honor we're to display to our children by loving them enough to correct them without provoking them, leading them without manipulating them. Those are two different words, guys, two different things. I cannot lead you and manipulate you at the same time, they're opposites. If I lead you, I lead you by how I move. Bailey moves the way she does by watching dad. And she'll tell you that. I know it shocked me. It's a beautiful thing when you look over and you see your child moving in a way that you wanted them to. And you're like, oh, where'd you learn that? I saw you do it. <laughs> it's so good. I mean, and, and listen, I think the only difference between us and Christ is when he was born into the earth, Mary and Joseph knew who he was and spoke it into existence. Well, what do I mean by that? They knew he was the son of God. So when he came of age, even though it wasn't his time, she put a mandate on him that he honored, performed the first recorded miracle water into wine. And it was wine, guys. It was alcohol. Sorry to disappoint you, but wine that has no alcohol in it is called grape juice, and he didn't turn wine into grape juice. Turn it into wine. So, just to let you know. You can disagree, but that's what the Word says. All 500 versions. <laughs> it's amazing they agree on that. <laughs> Everyone agrees it's wine. That's funny. And they ran out when the disciples showed up. That's kind of funny, too. But um, they put a mandate on him because they knew who he was. Imagine if we could see who our kids are, the fullness of who they are in Christ, and speak that into existence and watch them move on this earth. That'd be amazing, wouldn't it? 
It'd be a different society we're living in right now, that's for sure. All right. So let's do some little scripture. So we know that honor allows you to see how God sees. David stepped into a position of honoring King Saul, and he saw what God saw, and God saw he was his anointed. Doesn't matter what the world saw. It doesn't, doesn't matter how he was moving. I really, really, really believe If we adopt this perspective and just honor those just for the sake of honoring those, we're going to find lack go away. You have to understand that although David was birthed into war, he birthed Solomon into the wealthiest reign of a king, the wealthiest man on the planet of the earth to ever be. No man has ever possessed what he possessed. Yet, when it came to it, God always judged the previous kings of David's line of whether you honored your father David or not, honored his ways or not. Solomon did, and he was blessed. That's amazing. It's amazing when we honor, we step in to blessing. Not reward, because reward is actually more. He stepped into blessing. There's a difference. Had he stepped into reward and actually listened to God and not took on foreign wives, he might have been even more wealthier. His reign might have lasted longer. You never know. There's a huge difference between blessing and reward. But when you honor, it gives you the opportunity to go from blessing to step into reward. So, let's see here. All right. All right, so Exodus, Exodus 20, verse 12. Just lost you again. It says, honor your father and mother uh, in the Lord, for this is right, and all your days will be long, right? And uh, Ephesians 6, starting with verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with promise. 
that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children, but bring them up in discipline and in instruction of the Lord. Isn't that what Pastor Keith talked about last week? Talked about the love and discipline. It was a sensational message, by the way. Really good message. You also have to understand that there's a difference between discipline and punishing. There's a correction that comes with discipline uh, where there's love involved. The intent is to bring them up higher than you are. That's a father's heart. How do you know you're moving in the father's heart? You want your child to succeed you. That's why I don't like the term mentors because most mentors bring you up to where you are and keep you there. They don't want you to go past them because then you'll be known more than they are. But a father, he wants you to go well beyond. Why do you think we're the the image and likeness of God in this realm to go well beyond. Jesus said, this you shall do and more. More. How do we step into the more? We honor. I want to encourage you guys even when it hurts, even when it doesn't feel right, and many times it won't, it's actually going to feel wrong inside. You couldn't possibly want me to honor this person. They are outright evil. Actually, they're not. They're just wounded and moving outside their godly character. Do you know that not at any point in time did Jesus treat another human being as his enemy? Let that preach. Let it soak in. Not at any point in time did he treat a human being as his enemy. Not even those who sought to kill him. He did speak somewhat of a warning curse on Judas, but um, kind of the same thing of what happened to the serpent. He let the devil enter him. You know, here's an interesting fact. Before Judas met up, with the rest of the disciples and Jesus, the devil entered him. Okay? The devil inside Judas partaked in the Last Supper. 
Whoa. Jesus washed Judas' feet with the devil inside of him. Oh, my God. Let that change your perspective of honor. You know, Paul says we're to honor the devil because he's a creation of God. We're not to disrespect him. I've kind of changed my wording. I used to be one of those guys that went after him and called him file names and we're going to get you and stick it and all kinds of great things and then wonder why all hell would be unleashed. I'd lose my job. My car would stop working. My girlfriend would dump me, and I'm, what's going on? You stepped into his realm without me. <laughs> so now I just leave him be. What you focus on, you become. So if I focus on God, I will become part of him. More like him. If I focus on beating up the devil, I'll really move more like the devil than I want to. Really am. <clears throat> so I'm going to close with this. My dad was extremely chaotic. He always said he did better than what we were raised or the way he was raised, and, and, and I believe that. I, I really do. And so I tried to go way beyond. I tried to surpass that. Anything that was just a little bit better, I would go further concerning my daughter because I didn't want it to be said, uh, he just did better. I wanted above, abundantly, <laughs> more than we could ask or think. And so he controlled, he manipulated. Everything had to be done through him. He constantly felt the necessity to humble my brother and I. I'm a twin, he lives in North Carolina, looks nothing like me. I got all the looks and <laughs> we're fraternal. He's skinny, over six feet, um, not. <laughs> and we'll just leave it at that. It's, uh, he came out first. I stayed in, got some more goodness, and there you go. They had to force me out. So I was breech, so I do everything backwards. <laughs> it's actually really true. It's funny. But um, so... Um, If we did get involved in ministries outside of him, he would get involved in one way or another and um, try to control it 
even from an outside perspective. Um, it just was really, really hard to deal with it. So everything I knew as a father, I wanted nothing to do with because it was controlling to me. So when people would come up and display God as a father, of course I wanted nothing to do with it. Uh, when they would say, hey, God says I'm going to be a father to you. <laughs> Our relationship's over. Sorry. That's just the way it was. Matter of fact, the guy in St. Augustine, the pastor, uh, he gave me a word uh, when I first came into his ministry, and then he paused, and he stopped, and he said, God's not saying this, but I'm saying this. You're going to know what a father looks like by the end of this ministry, your season here. He was kind of right. I knew what a father wasn't. Most definitely. Knew how a father shouldn't move. And then it led me to my spiritual pops now who showed me what a father should be. And when my dad passed, <clears throat> going on nine years, he took over and fathered me, like fully. Hung out with the family. I had other brothers we'd hang out with and do things with. It was fun. My dad stroked uh, for two years before he passed. And I was living in St. Augustine, and, and I had got every other minister's blessing for being in St. Augustine. And, um, and I told the Lord, I said, you know, you really want me here. I know my dad fights everything, but he's, he's still in authority over me. I want his blessing. So we're sitting there watching the Super Channel, the Christian Channel. <laughs> and out of the blue, I think my daughter was like four or five, and, and her and my mom were getting grandma and granddaughter time while I stayed and watched my dad. And out of the blue, he goes, you know, I'm going to stop pretending that I know you. So I don't understand why you do what you do. But I do know you're a man of God, and I'm super proud of you. And if you say that's where you're supposed to be, then you're supposed to be there. I just, I mean, in the middle of a Western program, and I just start, like, crying. I'm like, thank you, Dad. I love you, too. It was amazing to me that people who weren't father-like, God would shape them in a moment to be father-like to me. Out of our family, I was the only one that, while he was alive, restored our relationship. I can honestly say I miss him. Probably the only one that does. 
that knew him because he was chaotic. And like I've said before, your chaos always outruns your gifting when you don't know who you are. So I want to encourage you guys. No matter what, honor the position. Honor the position. And when you honor the position, you will honor the person every single time. I'm done. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.